0: Scotch and soda, mud in your eye, baby, do
1: I feel high, oh me, oh my, do I feel high, baby. Yeah, what's going on, folks? That's the great Lou Rawls bringing us in with Scotch and Soda. I am Pete Davidson, back with another fresh episode of Fantasy Highland. Where the football's fake, the takes are real, and so is the whiskey. Uh, today's whiskey is Elijah Craig, small batch. Today's expert, fantasy voice, is Scott Barrett from the newly formed Site Fantasy Points. Um, Elijah Craig is, as I discover on the podcast, and you will soon find out, uh, is a really nice bourbon. Um, according to Elijah Craig themselves, it's a signature bourbon, bourbon bearing the name of Reverend Elijah Craig, a bourbon pioneer who's credited with being the first distiller to age whiskey in charred oak barrels. Um, Their flavor profile. Long before the term small batch even existed, our master distillers were hand-selecting just the right uh, number of barrels to make Elijah Craig. This expertise and attention to detail give Elijah Craig's small batch the right balance of rich flavor and full body. Each batch carries a signature warm spice and subtle smoke flavor. I can attest to this now that I've had it. A combination belongs in any bourbon fan's regular rotation. Yeah, I'm down with that. Um, It was really good stuff and had a really long conversation with Scott. So I am going to cut this intro pretty short. Um, There's a little bit less whiskey talk than normal. I had uh, some football stuff I wanted to get uh, going on this show with Scott. He was going to come on the regular podcast, but when I told him that we had a whiskey podcast, uh, he wanted to drink. So um, the Elijah Craig was... uh, consumed it was good Uh, and you know you can decide over the course of about 90 minutes uh, if we start losing our edge I think we did okay I think we did all right Um, you can also hear I think rain falling on um, my skylight early on in the show Uh, I mean like Scott and I could really hear it Uh, I'm not sure how much of it really came through I don't think it's that bad hopefully uh, you guys don't get uh, turned away by that Um, at, at one point Uh, I forgot how to tell time towards the end Uh, that might have been the whiskey Uh, but overall had a really good time we talked about a ton of stuff Uh, Scott's article on upside uh, we went through some players how they might relate to that Um, so uh, without any further ado let's get into uh, my conversation with Scott Barrett okay folks at this time I would like to um, invite the venerable the amazing the always amazing Scott Barrett to the pod Uh, Scott How you doing, man? Welcome to
0: the podcast. Venerable. How how dare you? What what does that word mean?
1: (laughs) You know, it sounds good when you say it, but I'm not, I'm not. It means like, you know, you're important. You're smart. Everybody, it it means you're good and everybody knows it.
0: All right. right. Well, I'll take that. Uh, Far less insulting than I imagined. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Pete, uh, really happy to be back on a podcast with you. Really excited to, to talk some fantasy football.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we're going to drink some whiskey, and this, um, actually, this is the second episode of the Fantasy Highland podcast, and um, twice in a row now, I'm drinking my guest's recommendation. Um, first first episode we did, Scott, Scott Fish was on the show, and we drank this amazing scotch that he had recommended, um, and today we're doing, and I think, you know, it's funny, Scott, I think this is a good recommendation for you we're drinking elijah craig and this is like one of the best values in the whiskey business so that makes sense you're like an ace for fantasy football and it's a value whiskey so i think you know
0: i'm, I'm good at finding value players I'm, I'm spotting value in drafts i'm great at picking value whiskey apparently um yeah. i don't know so so i have like the most unsophisticated palette in the world let's say <laughs> uh I, I used to be a bartender, was very bad at it, but I did it for a number of years, made good money off of it. I, I worked at this, this bar that made these extravagant specialty cocktails. We had 75 different beers on tap. Uh, we sold like Louis Trey and some of these ridiculous whiskeys. Um, and you know, at the end of your shift, at the end of the night, three in the morning, you get your shift, a couple of shift drinks. I would always get the same thing. I'd get kind of made fun of for it. I I really only drink two kinds of beer and it's, it's either Corona or or Bud Light. And I only drink two whiskeys and that's a JMO and then uh, the bourbons, Elijah. And um, my favorite mixed drink, the only mixed drink I drink is, is JMO and ginger ale or Elijah and ginger ale. And I, I never knew anything about this. It was, it was maybe like my 19th birthday. We went out, uh, on a big boat, a party boat, fishing uh, for fluke with all my friends and uh, we, we all brought a bunch of whiskeys and someone brought Elijah Craig and I think someone else bought a, a whiskey called Isaiah Tweed, which something like that, which seemed like a, a knock, like the knockoff version of Elijah. It was just like such an ugly bottle. It was like very clearly the cheapest one you can get. So, like, we, that entire night, we were just getting hammered off of those two whiskeys, and we were pretending we were, like, arch-nemeses, like, Elijah Craig, what have I seen <laughs> you here? I haven't seen you since you stole my woman and ran off with my horse. Like, just, it became this long, long-running long joke. And, uh, so I just kept drinking, basically, because of that joke. I kept drinking Elijah Craig, but I run into people, like my friend who actually works for Whistle Pig which is like a much fancier rye whiskey company oh yeah uh, but he was like oh yeah Elijah's like the best value whiskey you could buy I'm like oh, I, I had no idea I just I just like the taste and I can't tell the difference between that and like the way more expensive whiskey so why would I buy those
1: yeah no I'm with you and and I'm a big believer when it comes to whiskey that you know there's no reason to overpay I mean like my favorite whiskey right now is is a mid-shelf whiskey it's it's uh it's Bricklottix Classic Laddie. It's not a particularly expensive bottle. Um, so hey, what, we're sitting here talking about whiskey. I have not uncorked yet. Are you you ready to uncork? I'm ready. All right. We'll do it. We'll do a 3-2-1. All right. 3-2-1. Oh. Yeah. I don't think neither Scott Fish had a really good uncorking last week. All right. I'm pouring now. Yeah, this is good looking stuff. It's got some darkness to it smells nice Mm. Mm. wow okay this is good yeah this is a nice bourbon and i'm generally not a bourbon guy but that's you know a little bit hot in the back end but man that's nice okay this is going to be fun so we got a lot of stuff to talk about here man because i mean i could sit here and just talk to you about the new york mets and and what it's like to be at this place new yorker and like there's like so many things you and i could get into to waste this hour but like you've gone through a pretty major deal here, man. I mean, you've you, you've broken out on your own with this new company, and I, I if you don't mind going into it for a couple minutes, I, I'd like to hear about Fantasy Points. It's I've I've perused the site. I plan on getting a subscription when uh, when I'm liquid in about a week. <laughs> I've been buying a lot of bourbon the last couple of weeks, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I've been really impressed with the site. I really have. Um, I, I I spent a good. I would say, you know, 90 minutes or so on there. Um, And, man, what a group. You guys got a nice little murderer's row over here. I mean, Barfield's amazing. You're amazing. Um, And, you know, I don't know how much Adam Kaplan's doing on the site, but I'll tell you, I don't know if you know, like, Kaplan's history, but I've met Adam a couple times. He probably doesn't remember me. He he might. Who knows? But he used to live um, in Westchester. Mm. And he used to run a fantasy football site, the only fantasy football site really in my life that I ever subscribed to up until really recently. Um, and it was called the Pro Football News and Injury Report. Rolls mm. right off the rolls right off the tongue, right? <laughs> um, but it was him and Jay Glazer was there at one point, and a guy Steve Cohen, who I know you know from the fan. Remember Steve Cohen? That's right. Yeah. Stevie Cohen used to do a weekly prediction column on that site. And, you know, I was never big on taking advice from other people, but the amazing thing about that site is what it said, Pro Football News and Injury Report. You know, this was back before Roto World sort of – well, Roto World was there, but I don't think it had quite hit its stride yet. And for me, this site was just amazing because it was a one-stop place where I could go and get the information – that I needed to, to be a, a fantasy football player. Cause I was working, you know, 70 hours a week at Shea stadium at that point. Mm. Um, anyway, so it was funny seeing Adam on this thing. Is
0: he, is he going to be involved? Yeah. I mean, you can check out one of the articles he wrote, uh, last week you can listen to our powwow podcast where we had Greg and Adam both on. And, and, and yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, Graham and I have been close personal friends for a really long time. Always talked about, Know, starting our own thing together, when an opportunity came along with John hansen the fantasy guru himself, been uh, in this industry for for twenty years. Uh, right, right. With- you know, Adam's site. I mean, just just
1: so I mean the history. Adam's site actually, when Adam closed his site down, he sold it to John, who was then running Fantasy Guru with Joe and um, and Greg was working there at that time too. So in a lot of ways, this is sort of like that site getting back together, but bringing in some of you new powerhouse guys and. Uh, it's sort of going to be like that old site they used to run, but but really geeked up and modernized. It's I think it's going to be really good. I mean, sorry to cut you off. Yeah,
0: check out check out our podcast for sure. Uh, Adam dropped dropped a ton of super valuable uh, nuggets. Like, w- what other fantasy site has an actual NFL insider drop some some really really valuable uh, pieces of information? We also have Greg Cassell, like the tape NFL tape expert goat. Um, and then you, then you got fantasy analysts from me and Graham and, and Joe and, and and John and you know, uh, really really proud of this of what we built this website. You know, all star team as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, oh, it is it it
1: it legitimately is.
0: But yeah, so actually, what's interesting is the only new person they really. I mean, Greg and Adam are taking on a much bigger role, but like the only new blood really is me. And, and what's interesting is I actually interviewed with them maybe like five or six years ago and I didn't get the job. I actually got beat out by Grant. This is back when I had like 100 followers and that's it. And, <laughs> uh, and so, so, you know, it all comes back, you know, full circle back, uh, in guru, uh, and, and, uh, or what, what was formerly guru, uh, and yeah, fantasypoints.com, check it out, subscribe. or. Another great value for the cost of an Elijah Craig, you can get a a season long subscription.
1: Yeah, no, I was actually going to mention that. And I'm not, I'm not calling out any other sites, but you know, I've seen some really great sites open up and it's like, you know what, the barrier of entry for me to find out what it's about, it's just too high for me to get in. But you guys, you guys have set at least the initial barrier for entry at a place where I think a lot of people can do it. I, you know, I think it's great because you know, there's so many sites right now. I think it's I think it's easy to price yourself out for first time users. So I mean, I don't I'm not saying you guys should necessarily hold this price forever, but I think it was definitely a good idea um, starting at a place that doesn't blow people out of the water. Um, but anyway, it's it's a really impressive group of people, um, and you're right about Adam. I mean, he he just he's really dialed in in terms of information. I notice you have two different medical uh, analysts doctors yeah so well, you listed them as medical analysts so that's why i said but yeah i mean it's it's you guys clearly went at you didn't just sort of say hey let's put a group of people together you obviously had a uh, you were filling out a lineup here you had positions you needed to fill and you filled them all so it's uh
0: i you have know, a good feeling about your site you know it, it might be our first year in the league but but we think we can uh we can go all the way to the super bowl yeah, our, I, a, I
1: think you guys are going to do, all, and and, and it, is there, I mean, just sort of going through this thing on its surface, it looks like you guys have got, you guys have got dynasty taken care of. You've got daily taken care of. You've got seasonal taken care of best ball. Uh, am I missing anything? You're going to do gambling too. I'm sorry. Say it again. We're going to do gambling as well. We think that oh, nice. brings a,
0: a big advantage there. Is there a prop guy in here? I didn't even see it. I mean, that's something that, you know, I'm going to do, We're some, all articles prop guys. Going to do some articles, but Tom Brawley is our, uh, our gambling expert. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh yeah, Tom. Sure. Are... Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I was in a league with Tom last year. Nice guy. Um, and he finished above me. So we've got the, the, the website is good. I think people should give it a look. Um, I think most of the Roto people who are listening to this podcast, at least the Roto Bon, not, not, the whiskey people are new. The Roto Bon people are not new. Um, most of you guys, i when you guys opened, I tweeted out a bunch of stuff like, guys, it's free. You better look at this. It won't be free forever. So I think most of my people have probably already seen it. But um, let's talk about this article you put out. I want to I want to say it was about May 14. Do I have that right? Doesn't really matter. May 18. You put it out May 18. And this article really hits uh, – the Roto Bonners listening to this thing are, you know, this is not going to be new stuff to them. This is going to be you hopefully just adding a little emphasis to what I've been saying for for years, which is, it, you know, it's not enough to have a draft where all your picks grade in such a way that you like them. You, you need to put a team together and you need to aim high enough. One thing I always tell people when they're preparing for their drafts. One thing I like to say is go back and look at your league last year. And look at the team that crushed the league and the teams or you know the team that won the league. Look at the best teams in your league. Look at the makeup of those teams. That should be some type of template for what you need to aim for. And I think most of the time when we look back, we we find out that wow, those good teams were really Really good, and the way to become really, really good is to overperform on a lot of your draft picks. It's not enough to get a passing grade on draft picks; you need to crush them. Um, and that's always been my philosophy. I sent you the the uh, Derrick Henry video to sort of the one I did last year, mm-hmm. and that sort of summed up the way I I like to draft. Obviously, I'm picking one of the things I got right. Um, but if you could just sort of tack on to what I'm saying, and if you can, for people who may not have read the article, sum it up in your own words as best you can.
0: Okay. So, uh, basically, I wrote a ton of words. I, I talked about the stock market. I you know, uh, went a lot of places, looked at numbers from last year, uh, but basically, it's upside is everything. I know you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you need you need outside, but no, no, no. It's it's everything from round eight on. That should be the primary thing influencing your decision with each uh draft pick. The it's it's really that important and and why that is, you know, I looked at numbers from last year, I looked at win rates, uh, you know, James White is a guy who beat his ADP. He beat it pretty decently, beat his ADP. Uh Actually hurt you, like you were less likely to win your championship if you owned, or even make the playoffs if you owned James White. And why that is, it's it's because you need those top tier guys, you the, the 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 guys who swing leagues. Uh, you really need to 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 go after. Last year it was Lamar Jackson, uh, Christian McCaffrey too, in spite of a, a astronomically high price tag, was still the MVP of the fantasy season. Uh, That's how. just just
1: to jump in for a second on McCaffrey. I mean, a lot of people will be like, well, I didn't have a shot at McCaffrey, but if you played in an auction league, you did. So
0: just, sorry, keep going. No, I mean, I mean, that's part of it. It's just just like, well, I I couldn't have drafted Christian McCaffrey. I drafted fifth overall. Like, listen, I I get it. I'm just telling you, this is a function of the game where leagues are won and lost based on relatively few players. There might only be, you know, six true league winners in a season but if you don't have one or, or two it's going to be really really hard to win your league because like you were saying the league winner is typically you know a, a juggernaut you know sometimes you can get lucky where you sneak into the playoffs and right. and guys just get hot but i mean that's that's part of it too like like after lamar jackson ryan Tannehill was a a top uh league winner last year uh you know AJ Brown was a, a top leader, but like Rashad Perman actually had a higher win rate. That's part of like the philosophy. It's, it's you really want these league winners right. because you can find these guys on these, these juggernauts of a, play, of a fantasy option because you can find these other options on your waivers. So like zero fantasy points from a player is never really zero fantasy points because you have the, the waiver wire there. So you can find nine fantasy points per game pretty easily insert him into your, and hopefully better than that, like a Brashad Perman, like I'm saying. But he's not going to come in. He's not going to come in for, you know, a juggernaut player. He's going to come in for uh, a, a lower end of the guy. Anyway, so basically, no, 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 I'm with you. yeah, okay. So basically look for, you know, fantasy league winners, target upside. It's so valuable. Safety is massively overrated. Risk doesn't really matter as much. And when you're building out projections, the bull case scenario matters far more than the base case scenario, which matters much more than the bear case scenario. That's what I'm saying.
1: I, no, I think you're right. I, th- I think a lot of people think about the players they're drafting in terms of like what they're, and I'm not a stats guy, but they think about, you know, what's their median output? What What's this guy? The likely? most likely
0: outcome. Yeah.
1: Correct. I, I, right. Exactly. Thank you. And I'm not saying I'm not, interested in the most likely outcome i mean i'm interested in it but what i really want to know is what's a realistic upside outcome i mean sure i mean you know a couple guys on the team die and and he gets a million targets and he has a great year i mean i'm not saying something that's unpredictable but stick with the guy that i sent you the guy derrick henry derrick henry was a a really good example of this last year and i got lucky that matt kelly let me do that player (laughs) because he was really one of the guys that i that really fit you know my methodology um the one thing i would say that's a qualifier on this and i'm pretty sure you'll agree is league the, your your league style or your league setup your league dynamic whatever the hell does matter okay so for example i play in one league that's got a $300 entry fee if you make the playoffs you get 300 back right now so in that league six teams break even right yeah. so in a league like that you might have a different mentality than in the typical league, the kind that you and I are talking about right now, where the winner gets a ton, second place might get a taste, and that's about it?
0: Right. right. So uh, in best ball, this, this matters a lot less. In 14-team leagues, this matters a lot less. The more thin your your free agency pool is, this matters a little bit less. But like talking about your right. typical standard redraft starts at league, this matters a time it's really the it's just the most important thing is is you would rather be a uh, baseball analogy you'd rather be Adam Dunn than you know vintage no more garcia para you you know be a power hitter
1: yeah no i'm with you and, and and one thing that i've really hammered on my readers in this i think gosh going back probably 6 years is that and it's gotten each year i've hop, I've, I've really pumped this a little bit harder because early season free agency has just gotten better and better and better, and now it's to the point where, I mean, the players you get access to in weeks two and three of of the NFL season, you know, the first free agent runs after week one, something, there are often league winners in this. This. So my point is, swing, swing, like you say, be out Dunn. done. Swing from your freaking heels when you get into these later rounds because. A clean miss has value because beautiful. I know who my cut is. Like I want a well-defined roster, meaning, okay, these guys are cuts. These guys made the cut. And if you sit there and draft guys who are going to grade well in your sheet, who are ultimately going to be roster cloggers, not only are you not going to win those picks, you're going to keep yourself from going after some really nice fruit on the tree. You following me at all on that? Yep. Okay. So – let me see here. Okay, so we hit this like I said I, I tell people go back and look at your league from last year. what are the teams that kicked us How did they what did they look like right? And then you ask yourself well how can I get there right Avoiding roster cloggers, trying to get upside. And basically I want when I look at the players I, I, I'm coming up in the seventh round and I'm looking at what's there. what am I looking for? I'm saying to myself, Pete, who's on the board right now that can really move the needle? Move the needle, not a guy where six months from now I can go, hey, that was a good pick. I'm not looking to have a draft that grades well. I'm looking to have a team that functions well, right? And you do that by having guys who are smashing. Um, so <laughs> hold up. My earplug just fell out. So when I look at that, I I was looking at it this year, and I, went, like, I, I didn't want to go into too high a round. So I looked in the fifth, sixth round area. And one guy who's sort of sitting there this year, and there's a couple of guys we could have, I could bring up, but one guy I'm going to just sort of hit on, just sort of as a test balloon here, is Terry McLaurin. Now, I don't know if you like McLaurin or not. Uh,
0: so I think he's a, a, an extreme... I went for whiskey there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think he's one of the most uh, c- compelling players to me this season. Uh, if you look at what he did last year, in terms of PFF grade, yardage mark, market share, yards per route run, it was truly a historic rookie season. Right. I think uh, we we know rookie wide receivers tend to make a jump in their sophomore year. Uh, hey, by the way, can you hear the rain pounding on my skylight? Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> vague, vaguely.
0: vaguely. Hopefully,
1: I, hopefully this doesn't ruin the pod, but keep going. Sorry. Uh, can I start over? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. OK, um, yeah, I think you're saying you say McLaurin had a season for the ages, special
0: market share. Yeah. So just looking at all of that, uh, the 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 players that came closest, it was basically like every great player. You can think like Odell Beckham Jr. was one. He, McLaurin was two. Michael Thomas was three, whatever, what, what have you. Uh, true, right. Like love the, the player, totally buy into the player. Dwayne Haskins is going to take another step forward. The offense is going to be better, more productive. All this stuff. But I actually like Hollywood Brown at ADP more than McLaurin. Uh, Deontay Johnson at ADP comes close to McLaurin. Um, remember, McLaurin's more expensive than these guys. My issue is just that. Uh, I mean, he he really could just you know absolutely take off, crush with great volume and all that stuff. But my issue is so running back is is basically you know just ninety percent volume while quarterback is 90% efficiency in terms of predicting fantasy points, wide receiver is more of a blend of both. It's it's more volume, but it's, it's really a blend of both. And I just worry with him that opposing defenses can totally just take him out of the equation because he's really the only one to be fearful of. You just put him in bracket coverage, and that really destroys his fantasy value. If Washington added, let's say, Antonio Brown, someone like that, I think he might actually benefit more from that, uh, whereas you know, lesser, le- less, less games against sh- uh, shadow CV ones, uh, less bracket coverage, and man, that brain is pounding. I know you can hear it, right? Yeah.
1: Hopefully, it'll slow down. But hey, man, that's you know, it's it's well, you know, it's 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 for the mood. Um, so okay. You're not as high on McLaurin as I am. That's okay. Now, here's my rationale, just so you understand where I'm coming from. Um, And, look, McLaurin was pretty much top dog there last year. I mean, I I can't think that, like, from week five or six on, were were teams really looking to stop people other than McLaurin? I don't know. Maybe. Um, But here's the thing. Very little competition for number one status on the team. Athletic ceiling to do even more than he did last year. Plays for a team I think that's going to be trailing a fair amount. I sort of like that. One thing, and I've heard a lot of people calling for McLaurin regression for various reasons, but, man, if you watched his games last year, I cannot tell you how many times he beat his guy and was open for six and the pass was nowhere near him. And if they can just clean that up a little bit, I think – if they can just hit on some of those, I think it could cover up for some of the regression. And then my other thing, which you already sort of hit on, is I don't think the QB play can get any worse. And I think more than likely – um, Haskins who I happen to like um probably takes a step forward um but the basic thesis is this I think McLaurin's a guy where if he hits performs in the third round area and if I can get him early six I like that now the names you mentioned um from memory here you mentioned Hollywood now Hollywood wasn't in the window just because I'm going off this expert ADP from some really high money drafts in this ADP I have Hollywood going around 73 so he's available to me about a round later. Where, where, based on, you know, I love Hollywood. So now you sort of perked my ears up on that. In in the leagues you've been in, in the ADP you've been looking at, where are you seeing Hollywood go? Uh, well, I just took him. In, in, in this pool, he's wide receiver 31 for
0: what it's worth. Wide receiver 31. Well, I just uh, took him in an FFPC league. I also just took him in the N- NFL 10 of death, uh, but. I took him uh, with the first pick in the seventh round in this FFA. Okay, yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, um, so let's
0: move to another guy, McLaurin, okay. went went fifth round, but but again, I mean, ultimately, you're right. He could be a guy who just the volume's there, the offense takes a step forward, and the talent's yeah. there, so he just absolutely smashes. Yeah. No,
1: you absolutely hit on, uh, like, if I was going to work, like, if you said, hey, Pete, apart from injury, if McLaurin underperforms, why is that going to happen? I would say, yeah, he's going to be getting a lot of number one corners, and conceivably, he could be facing extra
0: attention. Um, I just think there's really no one, like, Steven Sims, I mean, the running game isn't a threat to me. I think he's really, the Dwayne Haskins, I don't think is like, yeah, he's, he'll take a step forward. But just, like, the only guy – it's a problem for me. But, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a bias. Well, like I said, focus on upside. And, and let me ask you this. There. Yeah.
1: How often do we see bad teams have a player who's getting bracketed all day?
0: You know what I mean? Like We had that with with Cortland Sutton at the tail end of last season. And that was with Noah Fant being, like, a legitimate threat. Washington doesn't right. even have a tight end. Uh, right. He went from, like, 80-something yards per game to – I don't know, like 45. Of the tail. That's actually a big reason why John Elway uh, said he drafted uh, uh, Jerry Judy and then K.J. Hamler. Interesting. Yeah, Judy was <laughs> – I'm heavy on Sutton
1: and Dynasty, so the Judy thing definitely bummed me out a Same, bit. yeah, same. Um, so now I'm tempted to tangent to Drew Locke, but let's not do that. Let's, let's move down the list. I'm going to give you another example. I moved to a different area of the draft, and I was sort of doing this a uh, little bit quick. Um, but we were talking about. Here's a, here's actually a perfect guy. If you, if you sort of project, you know what you think he's going to do is mean performance, whatever you want to call it. Miko um, Hardman. He's in, in in the ADP I'm looking at. He's going at one hundred and nineteen wide receiver forty-six. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, okay. I mean, yeah, I can see why people would value him there. I might go a little bit earlier to get Miko Hardman, and I certainly would absolutely be targeting him in that area because there are probably three different people on that team at least two where if they have an injury this guy becomes potentially a primo player and it's possible he can do it without an injury so for me to get a guy who's got a fairly close connection to Mahomes at that part of the draft this is exactly the kind of player I want to focus on again at that stage of the draft or after the 10th round are, are you with me now?
0: Right. So I, I think this is a good example of like, like I said, okay, round five on, just just target upside the end. But like, it, it is really difficult to, you know, actually figure out like, okay, who has lead winning upside? You're going to miss on more players than you're going to hit. Um, oh, absolutely. But, but with this player specifically, like one of when I released this article, someone brought him up and I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't see him to be um, – Necessarily an upside guy, but like I, I now that you lay it out, the the argument's somewhat compelling. He led all wide receivers in fantasy points uh, per uh, route run last season. Uh, my thinking was just that he's going to need an injury because because right now he's number four on the target totem pole. And okay, I I get it. It's the best offense in football, but still you're you're banking on an injury. And I, I mean, there's a lot of guys where they have. Potentially league winning upside banking on injury. It's just really difficult to, you know, project out.
1: Oh no, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. The, the 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 rationale is something to the like as you say. I want a piece of the offense. And then when the two guys that we're looking at, Hill and Watkins. I mean, those are the two primary guys I'm looking at in terms of injury. I mean, he potential. could beat out, Watkins. Like, yeah. well, that, well, that's well, that that's in my notes. That's the other thing I actually write now. I threw my notes, but where are they? Um, yeah. Three players could get hurt or a level jump from the player himself. Um, essentially saying, yeah, I mean, who knows? For all we know, they may decide that Hardman's explosivity is worth more than Watkins' guile and charm whatever the hell they want to, yeah. you know, value Sammy on. Um, but the bottom line is I'm looking for players who are explosive, who play in offenses where if they hit, they hit big. Uh, that's, that's the – that's the basic idea. Um, let me see here. Sorry if I, did I cut you off. Did you have something more you wanted to say? No. Okay. Um, and and one one thing, and this is now I'm getting into sort of nickel psychology, but you know you're a philosophy guy. You you yeah. should be able to work through this with me. I find, and I think it's sort of a fear-based thing, but I find that people sort of drift into this binary mentality, where it's just winning and losing. And like you say, we need to be somewhere between like a small field GPP mentality and redraft mentality. We need to sort of put more assets into aiming for the top of the pyramid. And when people are thinking in terms of binary, it's almost like they've got a Parcells-Belichick kind of approach where it's like, don't do the thing that causes you to go home. But that doesn't work when 11 teams out of 12 go home.
0: (laughs) Are you following me? Yeah, right. So, so I, I I'm definitely with you and it, it's going to take, you know, some cojones, uh, like drafting Antonio Brown. And I mean, in these FFPC leagues, I, I've taken him round 10, round 11, d- depending on, on how I've structured the rest of the team. But yeah, of course there's a chance he plays zero games. There's a chance he's suspended for, right. for eight weeks, but you know, yeah it, it, it gives you potentially league winning upside. And let's say I wide receiver two and that is my, my biggest weakness where I have, you know, two tight end premium superstars in, in their flex spots. Um, and th- that's what you need to do. Be, be comfortable with, you know, being comfortable. Don't worry about getting made fun of. Uh, if you're, if you're, if your team doesn't look beautiful right now, it's
1: not that yeah you know that's uh, thank you that's actually good um that's and and, you know it's funny like just for my listening audience Scott is saying it's one thing to say something it's another thing to put it into action but I was in a draft with you last year and I'm going from memory here but I'm almost positive of this I'm going to say that you took Melvin Gordon in like maybe the seventh round something like that (laughs) yeah I could be wrong I Mm -hmm. might be off by a round um or more. But I remember when you did it, I'm like, damn it. Because <laughs> he was he was on my list for a guy where, yeah, it's not going to be a lot of fun to have this guy for a while. But at some point, this guy jumps anybody else I might take in this area. So all I need to be able to do is survive, right? Now, you can't have a team full of Melvin Gordon when he's holding out. But having one or two players like that on your roster, depending on your league roster requirements can make a ton of sense and you know i don't know whether that pick worked out for you it probably did mm-hmm. um but that's the kind of pick i like to make um
0: do you remember making that pick <laughs> uh not, not really he wasn't Melvin gordon wasn't a target but i could definitely see myself taking him if he fell that far yeah no
1: it was one of those at this point in the draft look at the board it was a, it was a, it was a it was a you know the league had everybody in the league knew what they were doing it was a tight draft there were there were not a lot of loose guys hanging out on the board and when you did it i was like damn it i was about to do i was about to do that um so i i, I gave you a list of names for the show and i'm going to go over a couple of these right now and we've hit on a couple of these names already but in in the adp i was going through Beckham is going as wide receiver 9 31 overall now i don't know if that number is gonna hold i don't know if you know, maybe Beckham starts moving up if good vibes start coming out of Cleveland. I don't know. I can't pass on Odell Beckham that late in a draft. And it it's basically for the reasons you and I have been talking about, because if I can get a guy in the third round who I know sure is shooting, can perform like a guy who goes in the middle of the first, I'm generally
0: gonna do it. Do you wanna talk me off of this? Uh no, definitely not. So I, I think he's just the ultimate injury discount which is basically yeah. what our, the doctors at our site uh, said, you know, coming off of the torn abductor, sports right. hernia, whatever, uh, really fully willing to just write off last year as an injury year. On top of that, you know, egregious play calling the league's most difficult cornerback schedule, whatever. I don't right. think any of that's as big of a deal as the sports inju- uh, sports hernia injury. You, po- you posted on Twitter, gosh, I'm thinking a couple of days
1: ago. You, I, Man, didn't you post something about Cleveland's schedule?
0: Um, yeah, so I, I did probably, probably this morning, but, but, uh, I was just going to say, like, I think this stat is really interesting. So he averaged 12.6 fantasy points per game last year, but throughout the rest of his career, he averaged 20.6 and then across his (laughs) worst 16 consecutive games, he averaged 18.2. So basically the baseline average is what would have finished second in fantasy points per game. And his absolute worst was what finished fourth in fantasy points per game. So if you just And right off talking, it, yeah I'm sorry, but you
1: were talking about a team that had serious perimeter edge problems on their line last year. Hopefully they've cleaned that up to at least some degree. Um and now you're talking about him with an off season, you're talking about him knowing his quarterback now. And you know, I don't think Mayfield's gonna play worse than he played last year. I think more than likely you're gonna see some kind of bounce back. So I mean, almost everything seems to at least be moving in the direction that favors Beckham.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, better rapport, really just everything. It just looks like things should be better than they
1: were last year. So you're with me on that one. Let's let's bump down to my next name. And I know that this is a guy you loved when he came out. I know that. I don't know where you're at on him this year. But this guy, he's not dirt cheap but I just can't get over the fact that I can get this guy where I can get him. Um, and it's Kareem hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the data I'm using from these drafts, these expert drafts that, um, I I pulled them from 63 overall and RB 30. If I can get Kareem hunt as RB 30, I'm doing that all day. Um, again, you want to talk me down off of this?
0: Yeah. So a little bit, um, I mean, I don't, I don't love all my tweets this much, but uh, I, when I drafted this one, I texted Graham, and I was like, uh, calling it now, this is Nick Chubb's ADP peak, and he's going to fall around within the next month. So Nick Chubb... I love Chubb. I love Chubb. <laughs> I, love the, I love the player. I hate his ADP, which right now is a late first, which I think is a great yeah. list. So uh, the, the tweet was basically, basically Nick Chubb first eight games, He was Cleveland's highest scoring running back. The next eight games when Kareem Hunt returned from suspension. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Hunt outscored Chubb in six of eight games. That sounds false. It sounds impossible. Nope. We're Uh, talking fantasy. Yep, yep, PPR. Uh, Things are obviously different now with a new uh, offensive coaching staff. Uh, But the thing is, like, Chubb is – to me, a top six running back in the NFL, but so is Kareem Hunt. So it, like just an absurd backfield, which by the way, this bit, Stefanski plus, you know, going to be two tight end sets, you know, majority of the time, you know, massively upgraded, created offensive line, really nice receiving core. You know, they could collectively lead the league in rushing yards and, and rushing yards for carry. But at the same time, you know, Nick Chubb has Kareem Hunt cannibalizing his fantasy points. Kareem Hunt, I think, has Nick Chubb cannibalizing fantasy points. I, 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 don't, I, I don't. If you want to tell me that at some point in the season Stefanski realizes Chubb is a better fit for his offense, that wouldn't entirely shock me. I think he's already the better pass catcher, um, the, the more versatile option. Uh, I just don't, don't see him ever commanding, you know. Sixty plus per- percent of the snaps regularly without an injury. So to me, he's. No, a- I, I agree with you completely. So you to know. so to me, he's a handcuff, which means, I again upside, but like at a certain point, it's just like these it, it isn't upside because you need that injury and the chance of that injury hitting is still like you know let's say five percent that it that it happens week ten and through the playoffs, which is what you want. Right. Um, I don't typically draft these you know guys who need an injury to hit. and but right. I have this year uh, Rawell Armstead at an ADP of free, uh, oh, Gio Bernard. Geo <laughs> Bernard at an ADP of even freer. and then the, the guy uh, is is Latavius Murray for me just because when Alvin Kamara missed two games last year, Murray handled 91 percent of the the team's backfield touches. He averaged 34.4 fantasy points per game. The year before that, Mark Ingram was suspended. Alvin Kamara across three or four games averaged 34 fantasy points per game. So like being a running back in a Sean Payton offense, it doesn't get much better than that. And it doesn't get much better than that. When there's an injury in that backfield, he gives a guy a bell cow workload, uh, which is, which is, you know, just absolutely money. You ask me who I would rather own Alvin Kamara with Latavius Murray healthy, or Latavius Murray with Ka- Alvin Kamara hurt. I'd rather Latavius Murray, so he he's just like the ultimate uh, handcuff, and uh, I, I think he's a little bit cheaper than, than Kareem Hunt, but I mean, we all know okay, that no, like, right, Kareem
1: I like that, and I like the way you detailed it. My thing on Hunt, I was actually, it's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking about him versus, because you, in your article, you talk about James White last year, right? Yeah. And, I think White and White was going in around the same area that Hunt is going in, in these drafts that I was looking at. Um, and essentially, Hunt is sort of the anti-White in that if he hits, he could hit huge. James White, for him to hit, like almost everybody on that team has to go down. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so I, I got a lot of... Uh, criticism for using james white as an example and, and like by the way james white could conceive do you
1: how is he a bad example everybody's everybody was jumping on him last year in the freaking fifth and sixth round. i mean i mean he could
0: go off this year just with like new, new england trailing more so they go more pass heavy uh, he's on the field more sony michelle's on the field less someone said do you think rex heads in the doghouse because he broke tom brady's hand like i don't i don't know i just know that he was a bad pick free hindsight for me and post hindsight for me last year where the year before that, when he did go off, he, if you look at the numbers, he literally only went off when both Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle got hurt. When only one of them got hurt, he really didn't do anything. So he was just to me, always this, you know, high floor, low ceiling guy who benefited from two injuries any single, we saw this with Minnesota last year, any single running back can go off when there's two injuries. Um, but, um, uh well I'm, I'm
1: sorry i lost my train of thought no no no. i'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm very much with you right now um and i mean that's sort of the thing with me with kareem hunt is i can get a guy who i think now and you brought up a good point they switched offensive coordinators but i sort of feel like hunt is a guy where i can use him as a fill-in player if i need him i can use him as a flex if i need him probably don't want to but his potential – and look, I mean, I love Nick Chubb, and I have Chubb, I have so many Chubb shares. I, I'm knocking on wood right now because I don't want to jinx myself. But, I mean, Nick Chubb's a guy whose knee has been put together in a bunch of different ways. So, you know, I, I would never root for an injury. I certainly don't want to bank on one. But I I don't look at Chubb as some type of indestructible force. That, no, know, that's, that's an that's, argument. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy where I think, you know – You never know when that knee thing is going to act up. I mean, it's funny how people are are weird when it comes to major knee injuries. Like, there was a point last year where people were saying, Todd Gurley's Gurley's had an ACL, and that means he's damaged forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much of it has to do with, like, what what did he look like the last time we saw him? You know what I mean? Um, But... uh, you know so i think sometimes with a guy like chubb or even a guy like travis kelsey like if you bring up to somebody that travis kelsey had microfracture surgery they'll be like what are you talking about i don't care like well i'm not saying you necessarily you don't have to care a ton but you don't want to forget about it either you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um anyway um so okay hunt we're a little split on i like it more than you do let's drop down to my next guy kyler murray Kyler Murray's going 67 overall. Now he's QB three. Now that part I'm fine with, but the ability to get him that late to me is enticing. And I'm generally a weight on quarterback, I'm, I'm generally a weight-on quarterback kind of guy. The exception are running quarterbacks. Sometimes I will redefine my terms if I really like a running quarterback. Last year was an example. In one of my big money leagues last year, I took Kyler Murray in the seventh. And then I took Lamar Jackson with two picks later in the eighth because I was committed to having one of the – I, I thought one of those guys had to be a breakout running quarterback, and I'm, just, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to take both of them. And that team was in the bowl, you know, um, in a tough league. So, unfortunately, now I have to pay an ungodly amount if I want if I want to get Lamar. But Kyler is still in a window where I might be able to afford him. I am not real worried about Nuke and the new team and that whole thing. I'm sort of a believer that most of the cases that people bring up when it comes to high-profile receivers or even just receivers switching teams, a lot of the times they're not going to teams that I really like. A lot of the times they're really not a great player. They're just a guy coming off a statistical year, like an Alvin Harper if you can go far enough back. Um I look at Nuke and it's like, well, this guy's great. He's been great with every crappy quarterback he's ever played with. Why am I going to downgrade this guy going into a new system and he's going to have Kyler Murray? I'm just I'm not downgrading him. So if I'm not downgrading him, there's certainly no reason to downgrade Kyler and he's also in, in my opinion, the overall cast of weapons looks better this year. So I'm pretty high on Kyler Murray because I think he's a better quarterback than you know, than Lamar and when it comes to running, he may not be in that category, but he's certainly in the next one. Where where are you at on Kyler Murray in terms of upside?
0: Yeah, so I, I think that's a great call. Um he he's someone I like immediately wanted to bet, you know, MVP odds on once that trade went through. Also Dak Prescott once, you know, they drafted CeeDee Lamb. Like mobile for fantasy especially, like. Wrote so much about this last year. Lamar Jackson, everyone knows, is my guy. Uh, just the Konami code is real. It's just such a massive advantage when uh, you need 10 rushing yards to equal 25 passing yards or uh, three passing touchdowns to equal two rushing touchdowns for a quarter. It's just like a, a massive edge. I and mean, when you look at college numbers, Lamar Jackson averaged 135 rushing yards per game this final season like no one really comes close to that but Kyler Murray was two with 77 rushing yards per game and then no one comes close after Kyler Murray so really like the next closest thing plus the guy smashed for fantasy last year as a rookie with a an atrocious receiving core that receiving core is only going to get better what did like Andy Isabella was nice in college. He didn't do anything last year. He's going to take a step forward. Uh, dealt with a ton of injuries to, to the receiving core. Uh, the and offensive Isabella, line was... So in-
1: sorry to cut you just, just off. I just want to put a little bit of a finer point on what you said about yeah. Isabella. For, I, Isabella is now in a position where his skill set can operate mm-hmm. as is and be a, a huge positive factor in the offense. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. Right, uh, the,
0: the the offensive line was in shambles. It's, it's going to take a step forward. Uh, I, I like the guy they drafted. That was like PFF's highest graded uh, guard, I believe. Um, okay. And then uh, this is the team that's going to lead the league in snaps. Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. Uh, remember what he did with Johnny Menzel. That was like, if you look at the the most fantasy points scored by an NCAA quarterback it's one like ever it's like one Lamar two Lamar three Johnny Manziel uh and and then the year after Cliff left it just like fell off a cliff pun unintentional and it's just like he knows how to he's he's gonna lead the league in snaps uh he knows how to get the most of a mobile quarterback uh but all this being said uh I do actually have another article coming out as part of the series. The first one laid out the philosophy that it looked at players to target at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I do have another one coming out probably next week or the week after called Anatomy of a League Winner, where I really look at uh, historically league winning uh, players over the past three seasons. And yep. very few quarterbacks, like league winning quarterbacks, were drafted in the single digit rounds, uh, really before rounds nine. So, um, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, more research is needed, but I, I definitely get the argument with Kyle. Let like me that. ask you this. Let me, yeah. That's an interesting
1: tidbit. I, I wonder if, I wonder if something, I wonder if a factor in that is running quarterbacks and non running quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Just because, I mean, there's only – I mean, how – Kyler Murray can only slip so far, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're, we're looking at – because if you go back prior to last year, you know, who were the running quarterbacks? Right. I mean, you know, now all of a sudden we have a wave of them. So it's it's sort of changed the dynamic of the position. Um, but let's move off of this because we're – shoot,
0: man, we're, we're starting to run low on time. Um, I'll just say don't sleep on Daniel Jones's rushing upside. Or Joe okay, Burrow you know rushing upside? I wasn't
1: going to uh, – Burrow, you know what, that's that's a good point on Burrow. He's got more rushing ability, I think, than a lot of people want I to give credit for. people forget last and, and, and rookie, year – Rookie QBs tend to
0: run. Go ahead. People forget last year, Andy Dalton, who got benched, worst team in the league, was just one fantasy point per game or less than that away from finishing as a QB one. Joe Burrow is better than Andy Dalton. And you get – Aj Green back. It's just, you added T Higgins, so so don't sleep on that. Their, their
1: receiver, back. their receiving core is crazy deep at this point, um, in terms of guys who can like legitimately play. Um, let's <laughs> let's go down this list a little bit more. There's a couple guys I want to hit, and I I just uh, poured my second tram of Elijah. By the way, this is wonderful stuff. Um, let's hit Damian Williams just for a second. And my thing with Damian Williams and the roto listeners probably rolling their eyes right now because they're all going, oh, great, Damian Williams again. Um, But I'm a little bit – maybe I'm a bit of a truther on Damian Williams. I don't know. But I find it hard to believe that Andy Reid, after winning the first Super Bowl he's ever won, is going to take a running back who is a big part of it, who's smashed for him in big games. Who knows the system at this point. This is going to be, I think, his third year in Reed's system. I find it hard to believe that this guy's just going to get basically shelved for a rookie, no matter how much you like the rookie. And I absolutely love Hilaire. I love the guy. I just think that this looks like a split backfield to me. And one guy is going in the second round, and the other guy is going in like sometimes in like the eighth. So I'm just very inclined to just play the Damian Williams half of that thing for all the reasons you and I have discussed.
0: Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, Edwards Hilaire is just <laughs> my guy. I, I laid it out in the article. So we're short on time. You could just read the article. But second round, Edwards Hilaire. I, I'm taking that. I, I think he's. I think he's a true big winner. I think he just, you know, puts so up. You,
1: you think. You think Hilaire can win leagues this year?
0: Absolutely. I think he puts up okay. vintage Brian Westbrook uh type production. Uh I think I think um, you're right. I think you're right. I just don't think it's this year. But but go ahead. I think first half, whatever. Second half turns on the Jets, absolutely winner. Uh just massive like massive production, just Read the, read the article, but he's, he is absolutely one of the guys. I
1: will read the article. My issue is how what what is Kansas City's incentive when you're a Super Bowl winner, you've got the nastiest offense in the league. What's their incentive to force this guy into a role when they've already got a successful player at the position? I'm not saying he's not going to play. I think he's going to play a lot. I think he's going to kick ass when he's in there. I'm just saying – I don't know what their incentive is to necessarily fast track this player when they've got to. I mean, Damian Williams, for me, is uniquely suited for the offense that we're talking about. His vertical speed and his size and his ability as a receiver really work in this scheme with this quarterback. So I just don't. Well, you know what? Let's back up for a second. How would you, how do you see the playing time shaking out? Maybe that's a better way to do this. Based on you're saying, take him in the second round. So you must think that Hilaire can grab this thing like 65% of the gig
0: or more. Am I wrong? Yeah. Uh, 65% or more, maybe even more than that. I, I'm seeing okay. how they use Jamal Charles, how they use Kareem Hunt. Listen, uh, two two things. One, uh, I do this every single year. Hey, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. There were some games where we were going, "Hey, where the hell is Kareem Hunt?" I,
1: well, I know that,
0: but but I, I mean, he was on the field; he just wasn't getting the ball. Um, yeah. Okay. So so I do this every yeah, single Kareem, game. I'm sorry, I don't want to. I'm sorry to cut you off, but
1: Kareem Hunt can stick and pass pro. That's one other thing. Just
0: yeah, my 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 numbers uh, back when I was at PFF ran the the pass blocking efficiency numbers. I'm not worried about Edward Solaire in, in pass pro, but by any stretch of the imagination, plus he's a guy you okay. want running abouts anyway. But um, okay, yeah. Right. Keep going. I'm sorry. I, I killed your momentum. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Every single year I do this series of articles. Uh, it mm-hmm. takes me literally 50 plus hours of tr- transcribing uh, post-draft press conferences, which I just watch on my computer. Don't do right. anything else after the draft. It takes forever. No one reads it is the most valuable thing I do every year.
1: Okay, let me, let me just tell you something. As a person who's been to the combine and actually sat at those coaches press conference, you have to really mine it, but there's some gold in there.
0: So I'm with you. Absol- Absolutely, all coaches lie for sure. Uh, after doing this a number of years, you really know like who to trust and, and, and who not to trust, but, but like they tell the truth after drafting their guy, like especially this instance, Brett Veach was beside himself. He had his foot up on the desk. He was sw- swirling a glass of Elijah, had a cigar in his <laughs> mouth, just patting himself incessantly on the back. Andy Reid, same thing. Pat Mahomes, same. Like, everyone unanimous, this is a pro bowler. This is a featured back for us. This is Brian Westbrook 2.0. This is the, this is Christian McCaffrey in a Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes-led offense. And his potential is sky high. The other thing I was going to say, moving beyond Edward Tulares, this anatomy of a league winner article, like, you know, I wish I did this before I put the, the the big theory piece out, but it really just backs up how important the uber back is, the the bell cow running back, who is not a in a committee backfield, who is, who sees targets, which by the way are worth. times as much of a as a carry in PPR leagues and carries. Touch is not a touch. I'm with you exactly. And red zone, where goal line, where looking at the most common uh, uh, running backs on ESPN championship rosters uh, over the past three seasons of the top 20, uh, it looks like I'm eyeballing it. You'll read the article, but it looks like. 80% Uh, 80% were drafted in the first two rounds, and then 15% went undrafted. So, it, and, and, but like you look at the other positions, like like I said, quarterback is double digits, wide receiver is rounds four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, tight ends are rounds 11, 12 undrafted, and and it really just goes to show you like like the league winners are typically those first and second round. Running backs, and a lot of times they're just appropriately priced. ADP did a good job. You just have to dodge the landmines and draft the right guys. But, like, so many times your league will come down to just getting those correct first or second round running backs. But there is an edge in, in leaning running back in those first two rounds over a wide receiver, let's say.
1: Sure. No, no, I'm I've, I've been. <laughs> I've been telling people to draft running backs early the last couple of years. No one's really been listening to me, mostly first round. If and, and again, that's if you can get a running back that actually fits the first round criteria. But I, I and it's you know it is sort of changing this year, but the, the one thing I've been harping in 2017, 2018, last year is that there you know literally are two kinds of running backs. There are elite ultra lead dogs who get a big huge chunk of the action who can do everything and then there's everybody else and don't think of that first group usually there's two three four maybe five guys that actually hit the criteria like don't even think of those guys as running backs (laughs) right think of them like 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 you said think of them as league winning players like because some people are so like obsessed with not taking running backs it's like dude this is not this guy doesn't fall into the category that you're worried about. Like the RBBC thing doesn't apply to every single guy. There's going to be a couple unicorns and those guys need to go way up to the tippy top. I, people sort of picked up on it last couple of years, but anyway, I think it's this year is, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I looked at the whole running back board. I started looking at it about a week ago. It really is bizarre just in terms of like who has a job you know normally you can sit there and get a real good feel for maybe 20 running backs and then you've got 10 you need to sort of look at from more you know from a lot of different angles this year it's like man you got about 20 backfields that you better look at from like four or five different angles I mean you've got guys who have gigs but you don't really love them it's a weird year just in terms of the way these backfields shake out am i smoking something or are you with me
0: yeah so i I just want to outline my we can go a little over here i I just want to outline my running back strategy this is what i've I've put out you know every year for the past three years and i really think it's the right way to go about it and that's belt power bus so so we're talking about oh yeah Yeah, i I read your belt i I know that i so we say (laughs) upside wins championships some people got confused it was like weekly upside and it's like no, no 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 Actually, in in a, so in baseball, weekly upside matters like that's valuable. But in uh-huh. typical starts sit redraft, uh, a level of consistency is important. Like you know, Danny Woodhead and Doug Martin, I think 2017 finished as RB ones, but they really gave you like RB three production because no one started them in the right weeks, just because right. they had like a number of blow up spots that no one predicted based on oh, yeah. game script. I mean,
1: the- the
0: ability to have the confidence to put a guy in your lineup is
1: a huge factor in getting value out of that player. I mean, which, which is exactly
0: why those, you know, bell cow running backs are so valuable. Like I said, targets worth 2.8 times as much of the carry snaps correlates better to fantasy points than rushing yards, receiving yards, rushing tight. Like it's crazy. So you really want that. Uh, and, and, and this year, uh, what that means is there's like a lot of first round running backs I like. There's there's some I avoid. A big miss for me last year was Derrick Henry, who we just talked about. But okay. that came after Dion Lewis outsnapped him by 200 snaps, and right. he might just be Adrian Peterson, where you know he was a guy where it's like okay, he doesn't see targets, but he's Adrian freaking Peterson. But but this year it's there's the the round one running backs I like round two. I like Kenyon trade. I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, Melvin Gordon, round three, I like. James Conner, round four or five, I like. Cam Akers, yeah, I, I like the upside. I'll gamble there. But outside of that, I really don't touch running back. I, I take a right quell arm late, Latavius Murray late, Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn I'll Gamble, and we'll talk about them in a second. Not true. Bel- Belkowski, maybe. like otherwise i avoid the position like the plague and i just load up on the other positions (laughs) okay you've got me Um, drunk by the way i don't know if you if you've noticed
1: uh no i haven't noticed but i have to say i'm enjoying this uh small batch elijah craig this is and i'm generally not a guy who falls in love with bourbon but considering what i paid for this bottle it's not it's not going to be my last i'll tell you that right now um so hey you know what here's a guy that i was looking at the other day and is not a player that I love, but I look at the situation. I look at the amount of hate that is dumped on this player, and I can't help but think that he's a guy I may end up drafting in a fair amount of teams. And I almost don't want to say the name because I know a lot of people are just going <laughs> to hammer me. But David Montgomery.
0: Oh, actually, I meant to include him.
1: Oh, okay. I, okay, so you're with me. All yeah, right, good. I, lo- I like you that. You know what? <laughs> Everybody on this podcast is going to hear me talk about David Montgomery, so why don't you you give your argument for why he's a decent value? And by the way, just to give you a little bit of a starting point on the ADP data, I'm using has him RB twenty six being drafted as an an early RB three.
0: Right. So we just talked about Belkow upside. I think there's a good, like I think there's a really decent good chance uh, he gets Belkow usage. I mean, he he also fully fully might be a bust. A lot of the data that had me on him last year uh, was you know the missed tackles data, which uh, correlates better to NFL success than anything else. But at the same time, there's a lot of other numbers that suggest he was good at forcing missed tackles, even in college, and not good at gaining yards because he's so slow out of the gates, which his really poor combine showed. Um, but at the same time, he spent an exorbitant amount of draft capital on him Like him a lot. Tariq Cohen is a one-dimensional running back, not someone, I mean, this this is a guy all the beat writers were hyping up. He was tearing up training camp. Uh, Guess what? He he had a bad offensive line. He had a quarterback who defenses didn't respect. Uh, And the quarterback position
1: was up and around and down and not consistent, which hurts the running back. Exactly.
0: And guess what? He had a bad rookie season. Christian McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell with Danian Tomlinson had bad rookie seasons. Uh yeah. and, and I do like the the I, I just actually drafted a zero RB, RB team. I very rarely do it. Like I said, I'm Bell Coward Bus and just the running backs I like weren't there. Michael Thomas Bell. And I took him as an RB1. And and this is one of those, you know, FFPC tournament leagues where you really need to go upside to if you want a chance at that grand prize. I finished actually on a single bullet, I finished 15th out of like 200 or whatever teams last year but yeah i drafted him as my rb1 and it's like all right yeah i'll take that gamble i mean it is a
1: gamble okay but i think oddly enough this is a player who fits what you and i have been talking about Mm -hmm. okay because he's a guy i can get oftentimes in the fifth round right Mm -hmm. who's who if he gets the workload that i'm anticipating him getting and if nick Foles can just freaking play I don't know,
0: eight games. right, yeah. I think this he starts week one, actually.
1: I think you're probably right. And it, it, listen, if it breaks out the way I think it's going to break out with Chicago, just in terms of the way they play, who plays, and so on and so forth, Montgomery's got potential to, to end up valuing out in the second or third round. He, I know it, and it, it may not look wonderful, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on this one thing. I'm a big believer in – Call it whatever you want, synthesis, call it whatever you want to call it. But this is a guy who can fit into an offense, meaning he can do whatever the hell the play caller needs him to do. There's a lot of value in that. I think people are sleeping on his routes. They're sleeping on his hands. They're sleeping on his just good at the game qualities. He's got, David Montgomery has a lot of good at the game qualities. And when you're looking at a guy who's going to get the, like you say, he's going to get the snaps. It, he does not have to light the world on fire to put up a lot of good fantasy
0: numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the volume was there at the second half of last season. He averaged over 17 carries per game. He had four, four games of three or more targets. A-
1: absolutely. And it seems like for some people, they learned the wrong thing from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they just sort of saw it as more affirmation that he wasn't good. Right. But, but like you and I have been saying here, the offense was sputtering. It was an ugly season. He's a rookie. He may have hit a little bit of a rookie wall at some point, for all we know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a you know he's a guy who, and if, if memory serves, David Montgomery had a monstrous workload as a collegiate. So, you know, it's not out of the realm that he hit a rookie wall. I think people are throwing this guy out too quickly. You know, he wasn't even a guy that I ever loved. Like, I mean, I was never like – I'm, I'm not going to die on David Montgomery Hill or anything like that, but people are so quick to run away from the rookie who underperforms. And unless he's losing his job and this guy's not losing his job, all of a sudden I'm getting the guy who's getting a legitimate RB one workload in the fifth round. And he's a guy who can, and he can catch the ball.
0: I'm, I'm in. It's, it's one of the trick. It's like tough to do, but it's one of the easiest ways to profit every single year. Just, draft the uh draft the, the sophomore who had amazing draft capital who underperformed in his rookie season and profit yeah. it happens every yeah. single year it feels so gross to do Nikhil harry is another guy like that it, it just it feels yeah. so gross to do but they're almost always it pays off like If you can't handle
1: feeling gross, you're not going to be very good at fantasy football. And, you know, look, another and sometimes it's Ronald Jones is a decent example of that in a year three player. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, and I don't and he is, you know, he's sort of a perfect example because I've never been a huge fan of Ronald Jones. But people like people lose the arc like Ronald Jones is a guy who came out. Didn't run well at the combine because I think he got hurt during the 40 if memory serves. Mm -hmm. Then he doesn't have much of an off season has a crappy rookie year, which makes sense because he's a raw player coming off an injury. Right. And, but then in his second year, we see him, he's healthy. He's put on some weight, looks a little bit better. Doesn't look great, but he looks a little bit better. So for me, we've got a guy who got better from year one to year two. Now we're going into year three. His primary competition is going to be a rookie who may not have a traditional off season. I mean, I look, I would I bet my life on Ronald Jones having a good year? No. But I'll bet a 7th round draft pick on it. I like it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um so it, 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 here's the funny thing. I've got like this huge list of shit we didn't get to, but we're already <laughs> we're, all, we're already over our time. Um here's one question I am going to throw one question at you. I'm I'm going to throw I'm going to throw eight running backs at you, all going – and, again, this is the ADP I'm using. These, these guys are all going between RB48 and RB55, okay? Mm-hmm. They're all going between 120 and 142 in terms of ADP, okay? So it's a fairly tight grouping of guys. Now three of these guys, for me, jump off the page more than the rest. I'm just going to see if you like the same three. And this is going back to my – the way I like to draft, which is in this part of the board – I'm trying to draft players who can really win, okay? Yeah. So here they are. In th- This is in order from ADP. Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, Duke Johnson, Chase Edmonds, Boston Scott, A.J. Dillon, Justin Jackson, and Darrington Evans. Now, I've got three guys for me who sort of stand out on this list. You want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I'll give you mine. Yeah. I'll I'll give you mine. The three guys I'm going to target out of this eight are Duke Johnson, Chase Edmonds, and Boston Scott. Now, Zach, I can see people making an argument for Zach Moss. I'm going to – I like Zach Moss, believe it or not. But I'm really not into drafting rookie running backs this year. So that's probably why I'm off those guys. But for me, Duke Johnson with David Johnson's injury situation – I'm very interested in Duke Johnson. Chase Edmonds, I love Kenyon Drake, but one injury and I think Chase Edmonds could be a freaking monster. Boston Scott, I happen to really like Boston Scott, and I love the Eagles offense. And I don't think there's anybody ahead of him but Sanders. So those three guys to me in that tenth, eleventh round area, I really like them. Any of those of those eight guys, and I can read the list to you again.
0: Yeah. Where are so, you at? So I think I think Zach Moss uh, is the number one player for me. So,
1: yeah, and he's the number one in ADP. So, so,
0: so he he is the early down uh, runner for Buffalo, uh, which means so. so you he, think he's already got Singletary's gig? You think he's already got that? Yeah, I think I think Singletary is basically gets the job he had last year, maybe a little bit less, and Zach Moss gets Frank Gore's workload. Uh, maybe which a little generally bit included,
1: which generally included goal line.
0: Yeah, because he's better than than Frank Gore. They, they just like that. You know, the the post draft press conference like clearly out. That's what it's going to be. Deal with it. Yep. Um So he has like immediate value, especially in games Buffalo is heavily favored. He's going to get more run than Devin Singletary. Yeah. Again, but the only yeah. the only reason I didn't go Moss, just so
1: you know. The rookie thing, I'm, I'm really worried about these rookie players this year be, because of the COVID. And then the other thing is this freaking Josh Allen near the goal line. But I, I'm, I'm just th- defending myself a
0: little. But so I think, I think that's all completely, completely right. But at the same time, he also has on top of that, you know, if Devin Singletary gets hurt, bell cow potential. Chase Edmond sure. is not going to beat out Kenyon Drake. I don't see it happening. No. But Kenyon no. Drake hurt. He steps into. A role I view as being probably top seven. Uh, so that's right. super valuable. Uh, after and I also happen to think Chase Edmonds is sort of universally underappreciated just in terms of being good at the game. I think that's fair. Yeah, you, you saw that. He didn't really add anyone. He, he drafted a running back in, in the seventh round. Um, right. And then Antonio Gibson is probably my three. He's not someone I, I'm enamored with. I, I like him a lot in Dynasty just because Scott Turner has uh, – really values versatility with, with running backs he talks about it all the yeah. time he likes to i just think i just think gibson's raw i i totally get the dynamic i think you're of him, right but I, I think you're right i yeah. think he's like a year he might if he breaks out it's next year so so I right. think thank right. you there you go so we're there we're the same on that
1: and then you know justin jackson my, my problem with him is you know i just don't believe in san diego without rivers Sorry, I just don't yeah. um, in, in terms of feeding the running backs targets is the thing. Um, and then Dylan and and Evans are also rookies. So, but I'm sorry, I cut you off again. Keep going. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, well, he, well, basically, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? Basically, I'm just sort of underlining philosophically what we've been talking about, whereas I'm looking for players who, if things break right for the player, can be guys that I don't take out of my lineup. And Duke Johnson is a player that I've always felt hasn't gotten the respect he deserves, not necessarily from GMs, but from coaches. Um, he didn't didn't get enough love in Cleveland. And, you know, I don't know why Carlos Hyde played so much ahead of him last year. Um, and I love David Johnson, but David Johnson just looked – he just didn't look like David Johnson last year.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's that's definitely the concern. He he might just be fully cooked. Uh, he's he's certainly- right. I mean, I'm
1: not I'm not saying David Johnson's a guy you shouldn't take. I'm just saying if you know if I can sit there and grab Chase Edmonds in the 12th round,
0: I'm probably going to do it. Right. I, I mean uh, t- to be fair though, I like,
1: excuse me, I meant Duke Johnson. The, the bell
0: cow or bust, like I was saying, I really typically do just go. Uh, I, I don't t- throw a lot of darts at the running back position. Um, okay. So okay. I, I, no, these just, aren't guys so, I go you, out of my you, way.
1: You, draft. you you pay for your running back protection up front,
0: right? Right. Okay. And,
1: yeah, no. I mean, I, I want to do that too. By the way, it's just unfortunately with draft position, sometimes that it's not that easy to do. Uh, I I said it before. Um, you like Hilaire in the second, so that makes it a little easier for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I will typically try to draft th- those running backs I outlined. And then and then Drake, CEH in round two, Melvin Gordon, round three, Connor, Akers, maybe David Montgomery. Uh but, but, let's talk about can yeah. we hit Connor for a second? Yeah. You got a second for, for yeah. James Connor? Because I'm with you. I mean, I think
1: you know, everybody is really hyped up on the rookie in Pittsburgh. And you know, I like the kid too. I I his his Maryland film is exciting. But he was splitting carries at Maryland. He's a guy that coaches did not love. And he's a rookie on a year that it's tough to be a rookie. You know, I think if McFarland hits, I think he hits in future years, not this year. Meanwhile, Connor has shown the ability to handle the load. Uh, Pittsburgh's a team that likes to give the load to somebody if they can. And I can get Connor in the fourth round? I'm I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, so there was a quote in May uh, from Mike Tomlin who said, yeah, I'm a featured runner type of guy. Uh, James Conner is our featured guy. Uh, he's proven to be a pro goal running back, went healthy. He's going to get healthy. We're going to be excited to see what he shows. They really did use a lot of draft capital on a running back. And the running back he drafted was not a guy I saw as being a featured type of running back. He certainly so, not anytime soon. He is probably even more so than Becca, my favorite injury discount. So before his shoulder injury in week 9, he ranked 10th in fantasy points per game, he averaged 17.8. In 2018, he finished 7th in fantasy points per game, averaging 21.5. Basically, I think just needs to stay healthy and and you're looking at mid-range at least uh mid-range RB1 production where, where is he being drafted? I 20th. And if you if yeah, and if you second? look at that depth yeah. Um, well, let me
1: see. The data I have, let me just look at where he was, RB21. Wow. And, and if you look at the dynamic of that backfield, right, let, You know, the rookie isn't going to come in and steal passing down work. No way. Uh, Benny Snell isn't going to steal passing down work, right? Yeah. So, I mean, connor has got a legitimate shot, if he plays well and stays healthy, of getting, like, a lot of the gig, <laughs> right? Like a good portion of early down work and most of the other work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, am I concerned that he gets hurt in the process? Yeah, sure. But man, as RB twenty off the board or twenty-one, I mean, if I if you if you're offering me Connor or Chris Carson coming off a hip injury, right. or David Johnson coming off slowness, or Le'Veon Bell with Adam Gase, yeah, I'm taking James Connor all damn day. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right. Well, look, man. Again, I've got all <laughs> kinds of stuff we could get into here, but we're like almost at 120 minutes. Damn. So let's, uh, if you need to go, we can wrap this up in a minute, but if you have five minutes, we can sit here and talk about what it's like to have, uh, to have been drinking. I actually, okay. I'm on my third now too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to have been drinking Elijah Craig for
0: 120 minutes. It's a good experience. Well, it is a good experience. Uh, we're actually at 80 minutes. We're at one hour and 20 minutes. Uh, but that's the that's the Elijah hitting us for sure. So it is a ninety-four proof, uh an effective drink. Uh it is tasty. Uh yeah, it's a value at 94 proof, you're right. And you get to do the Elijah Craig voice I did at the beginning of the show every time. <laughs> you did. You know,
1: and I mean this is interesting. First first bourbon to be uh made in charred oak barrels. Wow. That's interesting. That's like industry standard shit now. That's a slice um, of history right there. Yeah, man. And uh, the other thing I found interesting about this Elijah Craig is that he was a doctor. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He was a reverend. Oh, wow. Okay. I
0: thought he was like a cattle rancher slash uh, (laughs) eye-patched villain.
1: (laughs) Or if you you know your Robin Hood, he's like Friar Tuck or something like
0: that. Um, You know, my favorite movie, like favorite, not saying it's the best movie, but saying just like personal attachment is the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie. Oh come on! <laughs> I, I swear. I, 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 okay,
1: this is interesting. So, like, isn't that the one where um, freaking what's his face? Um, <laughs> why can I not remember his name now? Christian. Um, what's his freaking uh, name? Christian.
0: Um, uh, no, I know
1: exactly who
0: you're talking about. I'll pull it up. Okay.
1: Why am I? This is a guy actually. Like, um, he the guy who was in Heather's. The guy who yeah. was in Mob. uh, for some reason i want to say christian leitner christian slater there you
0: go you're so thank you
1: christian slater thank you he's in a movie he's like uh, all over twitter right now because that movie is in yeah christian slater i remember i was watching that movie in the theater when it came out and christian slater's character says like what the fuck (laughs) this is just yeah he drops an f-bomb in the movie and i remember i'm like that's an interesting vernacular for the Robin Hood era. But um so what is what about that movie do you like? That's Morgan Freeman, yeah, and Christian
0: right? Yeah, so it it I, I watched this like a million times with my dad, so there's this like sentimental uh okay, that's right. to it. Okay. but beyond that I've watched it a lot too,
1: so I'm with you. But
0: beyond that, I really think it just hits a home run on like all of the the stuff uh like Joseph Joseph Campbell talks about, like the like uh, mythology that speaks to like a greater greater truth. Just like with me, it just like hits a home run on on like uh, you know lost lost like, re- redeeming your father. You know, rising up against like authoritarianism, pro Christianity, anti racist Like it has it, it has it all. Uh, just just a uh, like a movie I watch every other year, and I just like every single time I'm like I, I can understand that this isn't a good movie. But I fucking love this movie.
1: The thing about Robin Hood is, I mean, how many of them There have been so many of them now. Right, right. I mean, there have been at least two major Robin Hoods since then. There's a Rupert
0: one that wasn't good.
1: Right, and then there's also, like, the, the the Costner one came out, if I'm not mistaken, within, like, a year of Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> I could be wrong about that. Could be. So, yeah. well, here's the, here's the problem, is for me, in my old man memory is that those two movies sort of blend into one movie. I, I can't separate the two, even though I know oh, I should okay, be able yeah.
0: to.
1: one is Mel Brooks and one is like sort of a serious movie. Right. <laughs> but, it, but anyway, let me ask you this. And by the way, you know, it's, a, we're on this podcast and you and I are having fun. We're drinking whiskey, but it is a good time to talk about fighting authoritarianism because we're actually literally fighting it right now. Um, but what, what would your, and again, since you're willing to say Robin Hood's your favorite movie, you're not afraid to embarrass yourself. What's your second favorite?
0: Oh, I mean, I mean that's a that's a really good question. The uh Let me ask you this. If you yeah. need to laugh, what movie are you putting up? Um I, I that's that's not really my thing, I don't think. Or do you you don't generally go to movies for laughter? Uh yeah, I don't I don't think so. Um but I, I was gonna say either the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or uh, City of God was the movie I just, like, constantly showed people, but now that Netflix exists, kind of, like, everyone has seen it. Wait, what? Which one? City of God. It's a
1: it's a Brazilian film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, City of God. Yeah, my wife is a huge fan of that movie. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you one movie recommendation, and it's the movie recommendation I give everybody. But if you've never seen Newman and Redford... Never in Butch and Sundance, watch that movie. It's really Oh, cool. I thought you were
0: going to name it. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay, on the I mean, I, it's, I'm a it's, big Paul Newman fan. You want to talk about favorite movies. A lot of them are Paul Newman movies.
1: Okay, if, if you've never seen Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid, definitely watch it. The screenplay is excellent. It was written by Real, William Goldman. The acting is outstanding, and the
0: cinematography is like beyond kick-ass.
1: Um, the best
0: sports movie of all time is Slapshot. And then the hot, hot water, color, color, and money are both well up there. My theory is the that good. good sports don't make for good sports movies. Bad sports make for amazing sports movies. Okay, that's interesting.
1: I hmm, I also it's, a great it's poker a...
0: movie too, he's done.
1: I'm actually it's funny you say it. I'm trying to get uh, I think sometime in the next month, Scott is gonna come on.
0: Oh, he's a great guy to talk movies with.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's, he's a good guy, great to talk movies with. He and I are going to do a whole podcast just
0: on Rounders. Which, by the way, isn't a good movie. That's my hot take. You you, you don't think Rounders is a good movie? No, I, I don't. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well,
1: this is interesting because I actually have sort of a – there are certain scenes in that movie that don't work for me, but I love watching the movie, if that okay. makes any sense. Okay, okay like i just enjoy watching rounders i'm not saying it's good or bad i just like watching it and like teddy kjb is a stupid ridiculous character but i
0: love him (laughs) i i I gotta pull up my my tweets on it because like i honestly it's such a like not a good forgettable movie for me like i don't even remember my full critique but it's like uh they didn't do anything with Edward Norton and his character John Malkovich, who, by the way, did that did a movie with Clint Eastwood, where it might have been the greatest single perform. The movie wasn't great, but it was the greatest performance I think I've ever seen. And he wasn't great in that movie. He was like, like couldn't take him seriously. Didn't appreciate him from a comedic standpoint. I don't know. Did you Did you like being
1: John Malkovich? Did you ever see that? Uh, I've seen pieces of it. I, I can't really speak to it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, in some ways it's a tough watch, but I absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big Cusack fan. Like I don't, nothing with Cusack really gets by me, which is ironic because he blocked me on Twitter, but that's a whole other uh, I think that <laughs> he, was favorite he, he and I were like friends too. We had gone back a bunch of times, oh. but I said, I said something that I said something positive about Liz Warren and he's a Bernie guy and I don't know, I got blocked.
0: Oh, better it's off, all better off dead I, is I still love better oh, off better dead off is dead one is. of my favorites of all time too. Not enough people have seen that.
1: I always do. One of the voices I do in my house is the mailman from Better Off Dead. Okay, very good. <laughs> Badger, your book on how to pick up trashy women got here. <laughs> <laughs> how did a little guy like you get big boy smut like this? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that is a classic. Anyway, man. Okay, so we've done an hour and a half. I, I just sort of. Just like out of mercy, I need to let you go at this point. because um, you have a girlfriend. You probably have like you have to go to your girlfriend's house or something like that. That's right, yeah. Catch up on catch up on articles more like it. But yeah. yeah. So I just hit the bottom of my third dram of Elijah Craig. Very good stuff. Thank you for recommending it. Cause we, we were gonna do Jameson, and then you switched to Elijah Craig, which is great because I didn't I haven't mentioned this yet, but Jameson is my Daily dram. Mm. That's 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 the whiskey that I lean on on a daily basis because it's good and it's cheap. Um, I get the big 1.75 liter bottle of Jamesons. I buy one like every couple months and I live off of it. It's the best.
0: That, yeah. that, that and Elijah. That's all you need. Say it again. That and Elijah. All you need oh yeah yeah no i
1: i know this elijah craig i think is my new friend i think it's going to be my new friend um so look man thanks for coming on in in all seriousness all the best with fantasy points i know you don't really need good luck on this one because i know you guys are going to crush it but you know good luck with everything on that i hope you guys build like crazy and hopefully uh hopefully you've got a bigger swimming pool next year or whatever um (laughs) And at some point, let's get you back on the podcast. Um, Next time we'll do Jameson. I'm going to hold out Jameson for you. Oh,
0: man, I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) And uh, for those of you listening, um, tomorrow night, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get this posted tonight because usually using the Zencaster, when I have a guest, I have to do a lot of editing, just clarity. So this might end up going up tomorrow. Um, But for those listening, probably tonight, I'm going to be recording with John Daigle from uh, Roto World, uh, so look for that. John and I are going to be drinking some Brutalotic. That's going to be fun. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for this episode of um, The Fantasy Island. Scott, thanks a ton, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back soon.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast.
1: All right, giddy up. Folks, that's all for this week, and uh, we'll see you soon. Giddy up. rounding in a whiskey river. Mind and the wetness of its soul. He the hamburger run flowing from my mind and warm and empty heart. You he left so cold. Whiskey River, take my mind. Don't let them be your
0: tree. Whiskey River, Yeah, of I me. Mean.